right? Hackers have realized that it's easier to simply log in than it is to hack in. Exactly. And in order to solve it, you need to be identity aware. When you look at what's happening with AI, you know, the ability to create deep fakes, and, but the ability to impersonate, to understand and impersonate a real user, I think is, is, is leaping forward. They can fake yeah, your voice. Exactly. Right? So we need to apply a more intelligent and more dynamic approach to authenticating who a user really is. Everyone, it's David Bumble coming to you from Cisco Live, back with Tom. Tom, great to have you here. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Good morning. Last time we spoke in Vegas, you introduced the concept of a platform, I think, yes. is what we discussed. Yes. But things have moved on since then, so yes. perhaps you can give us an update. Yeah, we've made a lot of progress since our last talk in Vegas. So let, let's talk a little bit about what is a security platform, and then in this uh, discussion, we're going to delve into the role of identity great. in our security architecture, which is a really important and I think fundamental ingredient. So there's a lot of talk in the industry about platforms. Yeah. And uh, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but the way we define it and think about it is, can we build security systems that can look across multiple domains, email, web, the endpoint, the network, and identity? And if we can look across those domains in very high fidelity, we can create and identify patterns yeah that are too difficult to detect if you're only looking in one of those domains. Like for example, I don't know if you know my background, I was yep. one of the founders of Ironport. We built a spam filter and as good as that spam filter is, we're very proud of what it does. If you're only looking at email, you're missing more than half the picture, Yeah. right? So it's really tough to say, yeah, you're not gonna get ransomed if I just study your email. But by looking across these multiple domains, we can see patterns, you know, they really stand out like a sore thumb. So the way we're implementing this is we've taken a broad set of capability and we've distilled it down to three products okay. we call our suites. We have a user protection suite that is all the stuff that you need to protect the user. Cloud protection suite, which protects an app, whether it's in the private cloud or public cloud. Yep. And then the breach protection suite is the analytics that draws telemetry from the previous two and identifies lateral movement. That's simple. User protection, cloud protection, breach protection. Now, identity is an essential ingredient in each one of these yep. three suites. So we talk a little bit about why, what, you know, what's, what's, what's the buzz with identity? You've probably heard about the recent attacks. There was a, a big attack at a casino, yep. right, in yep. the U.S. Well known. That, yeah, and the, it, it meant that they couldn't process credit cards. Yep. And yep. a casino that can't process credit cards is kind of like pizza without cheese. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. It's a very, very bad thing. The nature of that attack, it wasn't a vulnerability in an application. Yeah. It wasn't about network segmentation. You know, firewalls. What? No, it had nothing to do with firewalls, right? Hackers have realized that it's easier to simply log in than it is to hack in. Exactly. Right. So, so what we're seeing is that attackers are getting very, very good at stealing a credential or compromising a machine in a manner that that they can move through legitimate pathways and not be going through these anomalous kind of side doors to get into the infrastructure. And it, it wasn't just that casino attack. We're seeing this in a number of high-profile attacks where attackers will steal a credential and then move right into the heart of the infrastructure and do tremendous damage. So that's a very hard problem to solve. And in order to solve it, you need to be identity aware. So what we've announced at the show here is a, a capability we call Cisco Identity Intelligence. Okay. It's not a standalone product, but rather it's capability and feature set that is available in our user protection suite and our breach protection suite. And then I'll talk a little bit about what we can do to bring that same capability 
into our cloud protection suite. So identity is really, really interesting. If we pick apart the details of that high-profile identity-based attack, what the attackers did is, is they used social engineering to identify the behavior of a system administrator. So they know exactly who they're going after, yep. right? A system administrator that has lots of privileges so that they can move around yep. and, and modify infrastructure yep. in a really meaningful way. Then they called the help desk and pretended to be that person. And they had enough background that they could answer basic security questions. The help desk issued a new credential on a new Android phone, which the use, attackers used to log in. Once they're in, they created, this is amazing, they created a shadow directory so they could give, give themselves provisions that no one would notice. And then they had access to all the core infrastructure for the business and they turned it off. So it was ransomware, not of data, but actually of the systems themselves. And I think we all know that it had a very public facing disruption. Cost of life. That could be, that could happen again and again. Yeah. And when you look at what's happening with AI, you know, the ability to create, you know, they call them deep fakes and, you know, uh, but the ability to impersonate, to understand and impersonate a real user, I think is, is, is leaping forward. They can fake yeah, your voice. Exactly. Right. So we have to apply a broader context to understand identity. And what's, what I like about this identity analytics is that it's almost like common sense. You know, gee, you're a system administrator and you live in you know, Nevada, and yet this call is coming from Mexico, exactly. and you're a Mac user, but you're registering an Android, an Android phone. It, like it, why? why? Why, right? Why? Like, you know, common sense. That's, yep. not, that's not some giant insight from yep. machine learning, you know, but you have to have the ability to understand and see all those things to make those decisions. So what we are building, the core technology, is an identity graph. So we absorb and ingest all of the data from your Active Directory, from your SSO platform. You know, we look at your entitlement systems and we put all that stuff into a graph and we'll start to understand relationships. I'm Tom. I'm on a Cisco managed machine. I have three different machines. I live in Los Altos, California. I work in San Jose. I travel with these patterns. And so all of that data goes into this graph so that we can look and say, does this make sense or not? So it allows us to do anomaly detection yep. at the point of authentication. But that same graph insight also allows us to do policy formulation. So we can say, you know what? Why does Tom have three old laptops yeah. that are provisioned with certificates, but he's not using them anymore? Yeah. Turn those things off. Yeah. Why does Tom have access to Git, right? Our source code repository. Uh, you know, I used to write code, but you know how long ago that was? Five years ago, yeah, maybe? something like that, right? <laughs> and so, so you don't want me getting into the source yeah, code repository, yeah. right? So, having the ability to understand identity asks the question: Should Tom be allowed to? Oh no, I'm sorry. The traditional identity systems ask: Can Tom access Git? And the question we're asking is: Should Tom access Git? Right. So it allows customers to automatic you know, to create automation to tighten up their access control policies. We want to do least privileged access. So we want the ability to define, well, what are the privileges that Tom needs? Or Joe or Sally or Fred or whomever, right? And so least privilege is a fundamental premise that we're building into all our suites. The way this will manifest itself is let's talk about the uh, user experience when the user goes to access that sounds complicated. enterprise applications. Well, we want to make that yeah. brain dead simple, right? So our philosophy is the goal is to frustrate attackers, not frustrate users. Yeah. And so where we started with our user protection suite is we see friction in the market today where customers will deploy 
a ZTNA, Zero Trust Network Access Solution. And frequently they'll use one of our competitors and the competitor will say, look, VPN is old legacy technology. Get rid of that VPN. We have this clever new way of doing access control that can implement least privilege. And so the way everyone in the industry, including us, does this is you implement a thing called an app connector. An app connector is a fancy name for web proxy. It's a little gateway that whenever a user is coming into the enterprise, it says, up, up, before you come in, who are you? It's Tom. What are you entitled to access? I'm entitled to get to source code or not. And then it makes a yes or no decision. Okay, It's a rel relatively yep. simple concept, and that's that least privileged enforcement. The app connector is a fancy name for a web proxy. Okay, It's a little web proxy yep. that, says, yep. that says yes or no. And here's where we see the friction. Typical enterprise customer is going to have hundreds, in many cases, thousands. For the large enterprise, it could be multiple thousands of applications. These are software applications that they built themselves. And they do sometimes mundane things. Yeah. I was talking to a company, a fast food company, and they have an app that schedules the delivery of hamburger buns. Okay. okay? Yeah, right? Interesting. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not, it's, you know, like hamburger bun delivery. How important could that be? But if you make hamburgers... Yeah. It's actually yeah, mission no critical, yeah, right? No yeah, business, yeah, yeah. Hamburger without a bun, not that good, right? And so that app and all of its peers have been developed over, what, 20, 30 years? Yeah, exactly. And the apps were built in the old network model. So the old network model said there's a trust boundary, a perimeter. And when you're behind the firewall, you remember that? Yeah. Right, yeah, you're trusted. And you go directly to your application. And the issue with that is that you could go to any application, exactly. right? And yep. this is, you know. You're in, you're, you're in. Yeah, you're in, you're in, right? And that was a disaster at Equifax is that the attackers got in and then they moved around, yep. you know, 40, 50 times to harvest 200 million credit card numbers. So we want to put those least privileged controls in place. And the problem is, is where the friction comes in, is that, that the applications that were built over 20, 30 years weren't built to talk to a proxy. And so in our experience, yeah. about a third of the time, when you stick a proxy in there, they break. Yeah. And there's a number of reasons why they break. Uh, if the app is doing server-side initiation, if it's a multi-channel app, if it's peer-to-peer, -peer, but my favorite is, I don't know, it just broke, right? It, yeah, it's not a modern app. It's, not a, it's just no one thought about it, right? It wasn't built to talk to a proxy, yeah. you stick it in and it breaks. Yeah. Whose fault is that? So this is where- History. Yeah, 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 history. History, yeah. So the app, the infrastructure team is like, oh my God, the app broke. So what customers need to realize is that to get to true zero trust network access, it's a journey. It can usually take a couple of years. And so what we've done is we've taken our VPN capability and this modern zero trust thing and we've fused them together into a single offering that we call Cisco Secure Access, which is the anchor of our user protection suite. So if you're a user and you want to get to a legacy app like SAP, yep. and that needs a VPN connection, we will open an IPsec connection and terminate it in a VPN concentrator. If you're going to a more modern app that's sitting behind one of those app connectors, we'll open an HTTPS connection, terminate it in the proxy. And if you're going to Workday, we'll do an SSO assertion into Workday. The choice of protocol and termination point, that's plumbing. We're plumbers. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have to choose that as a user, hopefully. Exactly. But but today, most people, if to, yeah. They're, yeah, they're running a zero-trust solution on one hand and a VPN on the other, yeah. and it's a very bad end-user experience. So by blending these together, it allows us to say the company that brought you the VPN is killing the VPN. Now, don't worry. No VPNs are harmed, right? But Because but, we're not really killing the VPN. What we're killing is the VPN experience. So we deliver what we call the world's most boring demo. User just types in their destination, the connection is set up underneath the covers, and all the user knows is it just works. So layering this identity intelligence on top is really, really interesting because the question we want to answer is when Tom is coming in, 
we know whether he can get to SAP or that modern application, right? That's the access control decision. But to really build good security policy, I want to know what's really Tom. Exactly. Right? Because I'm Tom. Because I'm Tom. Right? Yeah. Yeah, well, you might be Tom. Tom someone yeah. else might be Tom, right? And, and there's all kinds of, you know, uh, derivatives of Tom thanks to generative AI. And, yeah. so, and I sound just like you. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, right? And so, yep. and you can look like me, yep. which, is, which yep. is amazing. And so having the ability to apply those analytics to authentication techniques is really interesting. So this is why we've taken the Duo technology and fused it in with this identity analytics. So when I log in, if I'm coming from a familiar circumstance, I'm on my Cisco managed device, my signatures are up to date, it recognizes my Wi-Fi at home, you know, and I do a biometric authentication one time on Monday morning, every time I connect thereafter, if nothing's changed, they're not gonna bug me and ask me to do multi-factor again and again, because that creates user fatigue. I was gonna say fatigue, right? Yes, so we're trying to take the friction out of that experience. But if something changes, like let's say it's still Tom and I'm still doing a biometric, but all of a sudden I'm coming from a Starbucks and not coming from home, yep. we're gonna say, you know what? Could you just verify that you're really you? Yeah. And and we'll do one time. 2FA. Up 2FA, probably a biometric. And so so having the ability to, to interrogate a user and do what we call continuous risk assessment. We're constantly looking at the posture of a, of a user and the configuration. And if something changes, we're gonna gently nudge and say, hey, please confirm that you're you. Having that capability coupled to this security identity intelligence is really, really powerful because we'll be able to trigger the appropriate level of authentication. So example of the casino where it's like, oh, that looks super weird. Android phone yep. for non-Android user in a place they've never been before. We need a biometric, right? You know, hey. Uh, you're not relying on the help desk to do that. Correct. Yeah, correct. Or, well, you know, and we can even, I think, feed that data into yeah. a help desk, right? If that help desk had had additional insight, yeah. non-public information, they would have been able to easily verify, hey, this person isn't who they say they are, right? And so being able to glean those insights in real time across a big complex identity infrastructure, this is you know what we're focusing on. So the problem is if I manage to steal credentials, I mean, we've just had the so-called mother of all breaches where mm -hmm. like 26 billion records were leaked. Mm -hmm. If I've got the credentials and I get in, is it gonna detect me or how does it know that it's not me? Yeah, well, so we're looking for those patterns, right? So we're, we're saying, okay, you have a legitimate credential, you're gonna come in, but if it's, if it's something that shows on that identity graph of like, oh, that's just weird, we're gonna ask for more. Yes, you have a password. Please just give us a biometric. We need a facial recognition, right? Some sort of other authentication to let us know that you really are you. So Cisco's got access to a whole bunch of data, I'm assuming, because how would it know that otherwise? And then is it AI or something that's checking it constantly or yes. how does that work? So, well, so first of all is how do we measure the status of your machine, location of your machine, yeah. right? Those are inputs into the system. We sit on top of multiple forms of identity store. So Active Directory, okay. oftentimes there's multiple Active Directories in an environment. There's going to be an Okta type of SSO infrastructure. We extract data from all of that to build this identity graph. So we're looking for as broad a view of you, David, and what... Tom. What, to, to, Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom uh, too. And what systems you have access to and what your patterns of behavior are. Yeah. So we're doing that with that, that analytics layer. And we're driving that as close to real time as possible so that, that at the point of authentication, we can make these decisions. So from a user's point of experience point of view, I just connect to an app and... The user experience is better than it would be in a world without us because the idea is that if you're on the, the normal path, yep. the, where we a trusted path, you go in without any friction. And so we're only going to ask questions when we need to verify who you are. 
typically multi-factor authentication is done in a more static fashion of like every time you connect or every you know four hours and it yeah. creates what they call mfa fatigue yep. and attackers have even been taking advantage of mfa fatigue right yep. so they slip a fake mfa authentication into the real ones and users are just so trained to click on it that they actually open the door for an attacker while they think they're authenticating themselves right so we need to apply a more intelligent and more dynamic approach to authenticating who a user really is. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of these attacks like the, I mean, the casino is a good example is an example of the, what, it was a kid that got into the games companies. It's, it's it seems like social engineering is is the way in at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and thanks to social media, there's a tremendous amount of material to work with. And with tools like AI. Generating the voice. And you can, and even just extracting that information, yeah. you know, it might have taken someone days to research it before, but now an AI engine can scrape all that off of social media and, give an attack or a toolkit that, that can do it in a very timely fashion. Yeah, and I mean, they're using AI to um, create the scripts to send emails and all that kind Correct. of stuff as well. Right? Correct, yeah. So you can't rely on humans anymore. Yeah, yeah. If, if you remember those really goofy emails yeah. with like, you know, dear sir or madam, yeah. you know, I'm a foreign prince and I need to put money into your bank account. Those are pretty easy to spot, right? Yeah. And so, but with AI, you're going to see emails that are going to be like, hey, David, great seeing you in Amsterdam. Yeah, and exactly. you were in Amsterdam. Yeah. I took some pictures of our session. Here's the link. Yep. Who's not going to click on exactly. that? Right? So we make the assumption that, because <laughs> here's the funny part of this whole thing. Yes, AI can make these indistinguishable emails. People were clicking on the stupid exactly. misspelling ones. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. so of course they're going to click on these more sophisticated attacks. So we live in a world where we're assuming people are clicking on stuff they shouldn't. And so they're already in. This is the principle of zero trust. Well, I think one of the more interesting things about identity is that I want to know it's Tom. I'm on a Cisco managed device. My signatures are up to date. I'm in a location that, that I understand. And I actually want to know what process on Tom's machine is initiating that connection. Okay. So we have instrumented our Cisco secure access with that capability. That's a very, very fine-grained piece of information. Every single connection coming off of a laptop, we look at what software process initiated that connection and where did it come from? And it turns out this is a fascinating thing to look at. So we feed that information in real time into our security analytics platform we call Cisco XDR. Yep. And so this is transitioning from the user protection suite now to that breach protection yep. suite. So we can take that identity information and the user information and we funnel it in. So let's imagine this is a real scenario. An email comes into the organization and there's just something about the email that looks funny. Yep. Maybe the sender doesn't accept mail in return. There's a lot of reasons why that would be. You configure your MX records. 5% probability that this is malicious. Okay. The, that email is beautifully constructed. It's like we said, it, it, yeah. it's socially engineered where it references relevant material. It has a link. User clicks on the link. It goes to a photo sharing site. The photo sharing site looks totally clean, except we've never seen it before. 10% probability that yeah. this is malicious. Okay. Now we notice PowerShell starts to run on that user's machine. Yeah. PowerShell spawns a new process we've never seen before. We ask CrowdStrike, or Windows Defender, hey, what do you think about this process? This is, I don't know, it's new. 20% probability it's malicious. When that process goes to make a connection on the network, we see that in real time. At 20% confidence, there's no way we're gonna block that connection, Yeah. right? In fact, we're not even gonna alert on it. If we send an alert into the SOC and four out of five times we're wrong, it's like my neighbor's. Yeah. yeah, it's like my neighbor's car alarm. Yeah, exactly. You know, I live Just in the woods. It, yeah. yeah, two o'clock in the morning, his car alarm's going off. I'm like, dude, nobody's stealing your car, right? There's a raccoon having lunch on your car, right? It's not. A, <laughs> turn the car alarm off. So we don't want to be the car alarm. 
we want to be delivering relevant alerts. So we're not going to alert at, the, at this point. But we see this happening in real time. And what we've realized is that a snapshot is computationally almost free. So we've been working with storage vendors who are saying, huh, funny looking email, funny looking website, funny looking process on machine, not enough to know it's bad, but the, let's look at the target it's connecting to, the server or the data store that it's connecting to, and let's make a copy. Let's make a backup of it. Yeah. So we trigger a snapshot and then we watch. And if it turns out, oh, that was just a Windows update, that's why it was a new process. Well, we didn't bug anyone. All we do is make a snapshot, we throw it away. Snapshots are almost free. Yeah. Right. But if it turns out that's ransomware, we just automated the ransomware recovery process because we can be backing up that target probably before one line of encrypted data could be written or one line of hostile code could be entered onto that that machine. So it's a very, very powerful way of creating an attack recovery sequence where I might call you and say, David, I got bad news. You had a ransomware infection. The good news is you didn't even get sick. Yeah. Because we could recover you back. Yeah, completely. So in some ways, it's a vaccine yeah. for ransomware. Right? Yes, you can't stop the infection, but you don't even have any symptoms. So this is an example of using that identity awareness in our analytics platform to uh, figure out friend or foe and then take appropriate action, which is more than just blocking a connection, but we can actually do things like trigger a snapshot all in a fully automated fashion. So we talked about the user protection suite. We talked about the breach protection suite. Where I think this gets really interesting as we start to infuse this capability into the cloud protection suite, because now we're talking about the identity of applications. Yep. And that same process level identity is super interesting. If you've got 2,000 Apache servers in your fleet, in your data center, we know what Apache looks like. We know what processes are in yep. Apache. Imagine that one of those Apache servers has a new process that none of the other ones do. Yeah. It doesn't weird. mean it's bad, it's weird, Yeah. right? And so we're able to identify that and track the behavior of that process of what it's connecting to and what it's doing. And that's where these anomalies stick out, right? And so process level identity is the most fine-grained form of identity. And I think it's something that Cisco can do very uniquely. And it is a foundation for making better security decisions with our security platform. Tom, I wish we could keep you longer. I love talking to you. It's fun. Yeah, I enjoy it because I could just listen. Yeah. And you'd like teaching all of us. So thanks so much. Really appreciate it. David, good to Hopefully see you. Hopefully get you soon again. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.